Hello and welcome to the Everwoman Network podcast, a chance for you to engage with some fresh ideas for you and your career development. In this episode, you'll hear from Everwoman expert Karen Davis on how to have a power decade. Karen had a long career in beauty and fitness PR, including running her own agency before writing a best-selling book, Time of Your Life, a manual for midlife women. Also a successful entrepreneur, she is the founder and CEO of Toil, a beauty subscription service aimed at midlife women. Karen is passionate about helping women in their midlife achieve ultimate success during a period of change, from hormones, families to careers. In this episode, she explores the concept of a power decade and how you can use four pillars to live a life of purpose, fulfillment, health and no regrets. Over to you, Karen. What is a power decade? Well, clearly it's 10 years, we all know that, but it's not for everyone. A power decade is something I created when I found myself in midlife in a challenging space and I found myself not where I wanted to be and not where I expected to be. In short, I had a bit of a midlife moment and I think you know some of you will relate to that, that I found that where I thought I would be in my early 50s was not actually where I was. And I wanted to know how to correct that. So I created this concept of a power decade and it came out of my journey, which I'll talk to you a little bit about now. I had three problems in midlife and they came upon me really, really by stealth, if I'm brutally honest. And the first was the menopause. Now, you can understand that today I'm 59. So my menopause started when I was about 45. So that's 14 years ago. And when we had the menopause then, it wasn't really talked about. It was talked about even less in my mother's day. If I recall, when she had her menopause, a bottle of evening primrose oil appeared in the window. So that was it. Nothing else was said. But for me, what happened is it came on by stealth. Suddenly a few things changed. Now, the menopause, two thirds of women get the symptoms. A third of women get no symptoms. But if you're one of the two thirds, I would just say, be aware that these symptoms will come upon you. So there are meant to be 34 when I started my menopause. There's now saying there's about 40. So it's somewhere in between. But the two I had that were really challenging were one really heavy periods, which meant work wise, it was very challenging. There were days when I had to sack off meetings with a stupid excuse because I just couldn't get into the office. And I'm really hoping that that changes for women as we go forward. The second problem I had was anxiety. And this really came upon me myself. And it was things like friends would invite me out and the real me, the real Karen would go, yes, I want to go to that. Come the night, I could not get out of the door. And that also started to happen in work situations. Back then, I wouldn't have been able to do this. I'd have been way too, and I'm not that anxious now, but you know, I, I would have been way too anxious to even start this. I would have found many different excuses not to do it. And that became a real challenge and my world closed down. And I'm not alone in this. If you follow a lady called Meg Matthews, Meg's menopause is her social handle on on social media. She also talks about that she was so anxious she couldn't even get to the corner shop. Yet she'd been photographed with Kate Moss in years before. So it's something that really creeps upon you. And that started making my world close down, both professionally and personally. The second thing that happened to me is I was a beauty PR. I had my own agency, small, not big, very successful though. And what happened to me is I was with my journalists and in my day, I already sound old, don't I? In my day, when I talked to journalists, it was all about the efficacy of the product, what it did, what the ingredients were, what the results that women got from it. But then those journalists, they started turning and those journalists started going on to be YouTubers. So they left their posts as beauty journalists. They started going on breakfast TV. They left their posts as a journalist in the print media where I knew them. And their juniors started coming through. 
And suddenly it wasn't about the efficacy of the product. It was about whether or not something looked pretty on the page. And that was a real challenge for me. And I remember distinctly, and I don't know, you may or may not have had this experience. It was, this is how I felt. I would walk in sometimes into meetings with these younger journalists, and it was like their mum was coming towards them. Have you ever had that? And that made me suddenly feel, oh my goodness, I have got older. And that was a real challenge. I began to feel aged out of my job. Now, whether or not that's truth or not, that's how I felt. The third blow I had around that time was my children left home. And, you know, it's so classic, isn't it? It's such a cliche, but it did happen to me. And I'd had my kids and I worked all through my kids, child, you know, youth, you know, they went to um, child minors, they went to nurseries, they went to school. And every time I got them to a new level of um, freedom, so they went to the first day of primary school, I was kind of, yes, haven't killed them, managed to get them into school, fantastic. And I was, I was never crying at the school gate. But when they finally left home, when the last one finally left home, I'm not kidding, it was like a death. And it took me so by surprise that I literally took to my bed for two weeks and I did not care if I ever got up again. Of course I did, but it took me a long time. And during that time, it was a real clawing out of a dark space. And as I came through, there were things that helped me and they formed the four pillars of the power decade, two of which absolutely surprised me. Now, all of what I talk about is about your personal life, because if your personal life isn't sorted, you can't fly in your career. But likewise, we are going to talk about career as well. So I've suggested in my book, that we take a decade, and I've said a decade because it's enough time for you to explore what happens. And we know that success isn't linear like that. So stuff is going to happen during that decade where you just cannot drive forward with what you want, if this is what you want. But I've given you a decade to supercharge your life so that as you move into old age, you don't have any regrets. You're not going, I'm that, I've always been this woman, but actually I'm now not that woman, I'm someone else. It gives you a chance to recalibrate, to come back to who you are, to really get the things you want. So if you haven't achieved what you wanted in the first part of your life, you can now refocus and drive forward in the second part of your life. Karen has told her own story and explored some of the common challenges faced in midlife. Next, she looks at some tools to help you refocus and excel in this stage of life. There are four pillars of the power decade. Health creativity, volunteering, your dreams, and then of course, because I've got a beauty box for midlife women, self-care, but never underestimate the power of that because I know that when I bring up my children, my self-care was absolutely marginalized for the benefit of everyone else. And I'm sure you're probably the same. So let's start on health. Right, health. This is the fundamental pillar of your power decade. If you do not have your health, you have nothing. And most of us do not appreciate our health until it goes. I believe there are two types of health. There is health you that is intrinsic, that you've got cards and you've been dealt those, and there are other cards that are still to be played that you can actually influence. So the health that you can't alter is something like diabetes type one. If you've got diabetes type one, you've got diabetes type one, you're always going to have it, you have to manage it. If you're diabetes type two, actually there's quite a lot you can do about that. And that's what I'm saying with health. Here's the thing about health. I think most of us take it for granted. And I don't think we actually create a plan to get really good health so that when we're going into old age, we have strong health. You cannot get these things without a plan. You have to have an action plan. So what I'm asking you to do is think about your specific health. Where is your health? And think about the things that you can't change and the things that you can change. Focus on the things you can change and do them now because there is so much good you can do for yourself. So if we start with the menopause, as I say, there are 34 symptoms of the menopause. 
If you're in menopause, you probably know what your symptoms are, but there is an awful lot you can do to help yourself. Now, I'm going to talk about some of the stuff. And amazingly, most of it is quite, it's, it, none of it is eat chocolate and sit in a room and watch TV. So if you want to help yourself in menopause, here are the things we know that work. Exercise, switching around your diet, lowering down the coffee intake, giving up smoking, giving up alcohol. No surprise there. So if you think about those things, there's a, um, an MD, Jane Sterland, I don't know if you know her, she works for Valeda, which is a natural skincare company. She, she went to her GP about the menopause. The GP said, well, don't worry, we'll put you on HRT. Because of her belief values, she decided she didn't want to do HRT. So she's gone a natural route and is mostly managing her symptoms. When I was younger, there was HRT or nothing. And the HRT was always given, well, of course, you'll get breast cancer. That's what we were told. So most of us did nothing. And of course, by doing nothing, most of us put our bones at risk because if you HRT really helps strengthen your bones and osteoporosis is something that affects one in three women as we get older. So I just want you to think about the choices. There are so many sites out there where you can start noting down what's happening to you. And if you suddenly, if you're going into the menopause and you suddenly find, oh, actually my periods were really heavy, or actually I've forgotten things as I've gone upstairs, start noting them down. It could be the menopause. I know women who have thought that their menopause was actually dementia. I know one woman who gave up her job because she thought she was going home to die. And in fact, she had the menopause. So just don't be surprised by these things. Just get to know them. Read up. There are many, many very reputable GPs on social media who talk about the menopause. The second thing I want you to do is exercise. One in two women do not do any exercise. And no wonder, look how we were traumatized by it at school. Exercise is so important. Strength exercise. Try and do that for your bones. Again, as I say, one in three of us will get uh, osteoporosis and it is partly preventable. You can pull back the years on that. So do strength training. You won't end up with huge muscles, trust me. Do uh, balance training, do, do cardiovascular training. All of these things mix them in. So just think about moving more. Even in work, if you move on a creative, supposing you're having around the table, you know, think tank, you're throwing things up in the air, you're blue skying. If you actually move while doing it, you will get better results. Take your team out for a walk. Then we get to diet. If exercise is the magic bullet, food is the medicine. Think very carefully about your diet. Feed your body to honor it and protect you. So me, I've got osteopenia, which is the one before osteoporosis, as I say. And what I would suggest is you, I create a diet that's very calcium rich, but also can absorb that calcium. Now I might need professional help to do that with a nutritionist, but I still think it's really important that we invest in ourselves. And all of these things will make midlife easier. It'll make the menopause easier. It'll make aging easier. It will make you feel fit and healthy and vibrant. And it will make you feel amazing. Create that action plan. So that's my plea for health. We then come on to it. Now, this pillar really surprised me. Creativity. And here's the interesting thing when I thought about it. Creativity. Do you remember when we were kids in school? Every five minutes we were doing something creative. We were making little clay things. We were doing needlework. We were country dancing. We were doing nativities, hymn practice, any kind of creativity you could think of. Even in the playground, we were doing cat's cradle with elastic and bits of, of knitting wool. But here's the thing. As we go through our education, it kind of gets knocks out of us, doesn't it? Suddenly there's no fun subjects. And if you do pick a fun subject, let's say you do art for one of your exams, then you're doing it on the basis that someone else is going to judge it around criteria that's nothing to do with how you feel artistically or to do with how it fits the remit of what they're asking you to do. And creativity is something that is so important to us. And here's why. It, it puts us in a state called flow. 
and flow is somewhere where a completely different part of the brain fires up. And what happens is you block out everything that you, you think about in, in uh, all the other bits of your life. So you, you stop thinking about the ironing, you stop thinking about the cleaning. You're just in the moment, you're in the zone. Now yoga can give that to you as well when you're spiritually meditating, you're actually in that moment. But if that doesn't do it for you, and it didn't for me, if I'm brutally honest, creativity is the way to go. I know um, CEOs in, in London who create flower walls. I know people who do soap sculpting. You can look that one up on the internet. That's incredible. Um, people who do art, photography, choir singing, um, needlework. Um, I know even someone who trains their dogs to round up ducks. Anything is good because it puts you in flow. Now, here's the other thing about flow. Flow can also be done by gaming. So when you see your children or your husband play a computer game, I tend not to be too hard on them, as long as it's not gone on for hours, obviously, because they're actually in flow and they're enjoying that different part of their brain firing up. And it just leads into so many different things. The benefits of being creative are huge and they impact every bit of your life, including your job. Um, and I, I just think you can be creative at work, but sometimes that's related to various parameters and it's related to your salary. So it's not quite as such a pleasure buzz as it would be when you're doing creativity for fun my personal creativity is writing I'm writing a novel and I absolutely love that find yours Karen has examined how health and creativity are key to our power decade next she explores the surprising benefits of volunteering and how vital your dreams really are volunteering okay now I, this is a fun one you think I'm going to say you need to do volunteering because of what you can give and you can help other people I'm coming at it from a completely selfish point of view. I think about what it can do for you. So here's the different things. The BMJ, British Medical Journal, actually did um, some research on volunteering and they found that the mental health benefits, you know, that lovely warm fuzzy feeling, that lovely glow you get, that only came really to people over 40. Now we've no idea why, but that was the findings. So in midlife, volunteering will give you that warm fuzzy glow, which really helps your mental health and your sense of happiness. There's a couple of other things I'd say. Your friends. Now, if you think about your friends, your friends are all going to be pretty much like you. That's why you're friends. I'm not saying they're completely like you, but fundamentally, there are some core values in there that you all agree on. And it could be your sense of humour. It could be what you think about is a great night out. It could be several different things. But that's why you're friends, because you agree on things and you like their attitude on things. So here's the other thing. The Internet. What the internet does these days is it also hones down your world. So if you type in holiday for two weeks into internet and it comes up with several choices and you click on, let's say, Spain, next time you search holiday for two weeks, it will remember that and it will go, oh, let's show the Spanish options first. So it's starting to narrow down your world into things that it thinks you like. I'm on a committee and the committee is full of characters I would never ever meet in normal life. And that is a very good thing for us. It challenges our views. What we do not want is to have a closed world, a view, a world that is closing in on the view so that we are not open to what is new. We are not open to what is young. And we have to be, and we have to embrace these views. And it's very, very good for us to be challenged. So when I go to my committee, and I know there will be people there who say, I fundamentally disagree with this thing you've been working on for six months. And that is really good because it makes me really, really listen to what they're doing and try to understand and develop my skills to argue uh, against what they're saying. And then I have to accept democratic decision. 
The other thing about volunteering is it is not linked to my life. It's not linked to my financial stability. So I can really be me. I can really say what I think. Obviously, I'm being kind um, when I say things. I'd never say, say nasty things. But it gives you a freedom that perhaps we don't always have in our careers. There are so many things that volunteering gives. I would urge anyone to try it. And there's so many different ways to try it these days. You can do it remotely from your home. If you can't get out, you can, you can invigilate in, in live chats for various organizations. You can have holidays where they pay for your accommodation and your food and you, you, you repair the coastal paths. You can do so many different things. I would just urge you, anyone, to get involved with volunteering, something that really interests you. And yes, you will give back, but you will get so much more from it. And then pillar four, your dreams. I'm going to preface this because since I wrote my book, I've read Professor Steve Peters' book, The Chimp Paradox. I don't know if you've read it. Um, I love it. It's all about the inner voice talking to you. But he came up with an idea in there, which I think is fundamental. When I was young, my big dream was two weeks in Barbados. I really fancied that. But actually, I've never had that. And since I've got to my midlife, it's not my number one priority anymore. My dreams have changed. I think now is a really good time to write what Steve Peters calls is the stone of truth. And the stone of truth is who you are. And I'd never done this. I'd never thought, who am I in my core? And I think it's a really, really useful exercise. Who are you? Once you get to this stage in midlife and you just think, I just want to recalibrate, who are you now? And my stone of truth, it took me about a month to write, has different things on it. So it has things like, um, I believe that life is fundamentally unfair. I do, I, I do. Um, I believe that I am mostly kind and I strive to be kind, but sometimes I can be unkind, which is also true. I am a person who exercises six days a week, totally true. So it's different things you can write down. There's no length of this, no, no short, no long. It's a really useful thing. And once you've done that, it really informs your dreams. What do you really want to do with your life? And here's the great thing about midlife. If you've got that decade, there's time to change your career. I've got a friend who was a TK Max buyer, TJX buyer, and she has now completely rechanged to be a pathologist, retrained to be a pathologist. She did it through evening studies and she's now moved into that career. She started on a lower salary, but she was in a financial position where she could do that. And she's so much happier. Life is long. I've done years of my career when I haven't been happy. I don't want that for the rest of my career. I love my job now. And I want that for you. I want you to have these 20, 25 years. If you're 40, you've got 25, 30 years to go. Do not be unhappy in your job. What job would make you happy? It's not too late to have that job. And that will make such a difference to your world. The second thing I want you to do is once you've written down your dreams and what you'd like to do, we can't wait for them to be happy. I couldn't wait. If I'd waited for my two weeks in Barbados to make me happy, I would still be waiting because I haven't gone. So you've got to find happiness in every day. I know that most parents I speak to say to me, oh, I just want my kids to be happy. But how do we set them up with the tools for that? We don't. We just throw them out into the universe and pray that it happens. I don't think that's good enough for us. And I don't think actually it's good enough for our kids, but that's another day. So for us, what I want you to do is find a way to be happy in the everyday. And that comes back to a couple of things. One, your stone of truth. Live your life every day to your stone of truth. If you fulfill everything that you say you are, you will be happy. The second thing is it's an attitude of gratitude. And that is, it's not a new idea. Oprah contributes her whole career to this. But what I want you to do is every morning when you wake up, find three things you are happy for from the day before, you're grateful for. Things that happen, there's always something. And I know life is like that, so sometimes there's not so much. But even in moments of despair, there can still be things of happiness. 
And I want you to think about those. At the same time, I want you to set something you want to do for today. So my, uh, my thing I wanted to set for today was I want to try and be kind and open and listen to what everyone has to say to me today and not prejudge. And the final thing is sort your finances. Now, clearly I'm a be an ex-beauty PR and I run a beauty subscription box. I am not a financial advisor, but please, if your finances are not in a place, you have time to sort them in midlife. Do not drift into old age with your finances not sorted. Try and make sure you understand them. Now, the second thing is get yourself a decent financial advisor. That would be my advice as a lay person. But even so, when they come and they've talked to you as with you and your partner or you alone, make sure you understand exactly what's going on. Because if you don't, you might find yourself in a difficult situation later. And we see these stories in the press all the time. What kind of person do you want to be? And I'm thinking about in 10 years time, if you look, if you look at yourself in 10 years time, who do you want to be? How can you get to be that person? Well, the thing is, you're going to have to make changes. And with changes comes failure and fear. And I'm going to talk about those two. They are challenging. We are going to take steps forward. We are going to fail. Embrace it. It's not a problem because with every failure we learn. And I think so often we are scared of failure. You know, I'm scared of this not being well received. But whatever happens, I will have learned from this and I will move forward. And the next time I deliver this speech, I will be even better. And I think you've got to think about what kind of old age. So after those 10 years, what kind of old age do you want? Well, I want my health to be really well. So basically, I know this is a bit morbid. I want to go like that and then I want to drop off a cliff. I don't want a gradual decline into ill health. I want to be as well as long as I possibly can. I want to be wise. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be able to help others uh, when I'm older. That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to have as many of my faculties around me as possible. So I have to work for that now. I have to plan for it now. It's not just going to happen. You've got to understand that. And then what would you want to be at the end of your power decade? Think about that. Think about where you want to be career-wise, personally, in your relationships, all of that. Just ponder, because I think you could be amazing. And it may, it may be you're amazing now, in which case this is not for you. But if you are in a space that's not quite where you want it to be, think about how you can improve it, because you have got the power. But it will be work. You have to put in the work. Time will pass whether you put in the work or not. So put the work in. That was Karen Davis on how to have a power decade. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Every Woman Network podcast. Continue your career journey on the Every Woman Network by logging into your personal dashboard at www.everywoman.com.